What's going on, motherfuckers? Uh, you know? Same shit. I'm trying to say motherfucker just like Paul Morris said motherfucker on the air that one time. <laughs> yeah. Chris, have you ever heard that story? No. <laughs> Iron Mike Benson decided to call Paulie in his office on the air, but didn't give him the heads up. Yeah, I mean, Benson used to call me up like 15 minutes before Music Notes at 6 every day to ask me what's on the show. And we would never go live to air. He would just, you know, said, okay, okay we're going to do this new record. That story. Okay, good. Here are the headlines. And they'd go on the air and he'd say, coming up on the show, Paulie Morris is going to be yeah. out with music notes at six. And so as I, I'm sitting in my computer looking and the phone rings, I just go, yo, 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 motherfucker. Paulie, <laughs> 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 we're live on the air right now. And I go upstairs and I look at it. You didn't put me live in the air. Oh, and he was right. rolling on the floor in the control room. <laughs> <laughs> Black Sheep Radio with Ben McVie, Mark LeFave, and Chris Brown. Join the conversation at BSR Podcast on Facebook and at Radio underscore Sheep on Instagram and Twitter. Just to fill everybody in, Mark's not here today. He's not feeling great. So he he sat he's sitting out on, on this Thursday edition. We got Paul Morris sitting in. And usually we do a a themed episode uh, when Paul steps in. But this time we're going to do a little bit different um, just because there's, there's some music news out there and we figure we want to give it a little bit of a different look on, on rolling through some, some big stories. Um, so, Paul, you've got a couple things that you wanted to talk about today. Sure. There's a couple things that, that kind of came up. Uh, I wanted to bring up a couple of weeks ago. The first one being um, the sale of guitars is mm. way up. Now, I'm not sure what has inspired this. I'm thinking it probably has a lot to boredom. do with uh, boredom and COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you know about the sales of fashion, high fashion is way down. The sale of pajamas and sweatpants is way up <laughs> yeah. as people yeah. are spending more time at home. Uh, but people are picking up the guitar. I mean, if you go back cool. maybe five years ago, there was a famous video of Gibbs Guitar who laid out electric guitars along the ground and had a bulldozer roll over them. And that would break your heart to see that if you were a guitar, you break. How can you? I'll take one of those. You right. could, get a, could have given those to music schools. You could have given the ways yeah. away for free. Now they were a little defective, but it still spoke to the fact that these guitars weren't worth anything any longer. What was happening was that people are not playing guitar like they used to. There was a bit of a crisis as co companies like Gibson and Fender were seeing their bottom lines in the red. And people were wondering about the future of guitar. If you listen to popular music today, geez, you have to look really hard to find a real instrument, let alone a guitar. Amen. And who, mm -hmm. and, and who are the guitar heroes of today? I mean, we, when we talk about, you know, in our list that we've been doing on this show, we immediately reach for the obvious. You know, we did our rock band thing recently, and we we're all reaching for iconic guitar players, everybody from Hendrix to Slash to more contemporary players, but they're they're from 20, 30 years ago. Who are the guitar heroes? Slim I mean, Pickens. Yeah, yeah it's definitely. Slim Pickings. Yeah. But people are picking up guitars. It's interesting. I, saw, I read a story with The Edge from U2, and he said one of the biggest problems about the guitar is that a lot of kids are buying or picking up guitars and putting them right down because it's a difficult instrument to yeah, learn how to it's play. it's really hard. And so Fender and a number of other companies have come up with new how-to videos that make it easier to do. 
and the edge apparently has hosted a series that doesn't cool that's that is that is not part of the response of why there is this great surge in sales but who knows what might happen down the road you know mm. you, you one one never knows what might happen down the road and maybe the guitar will grace us once again uh, dominating popular music learning learning guitar I, although i don't know how to play it strikes me as uh, being like golf uh, okay. You go out, you have no idea what you're doing, and it's not enjoyable until you hit that first good shot. And then it's like, okay, I like this. And, yeah, I, the, you know, no. when people hit get their first chord, mm-hmm. okay, I learned a chord, right? Mm-hmm. And can just strum something, anything that sounds like a semblance of music, they're hooked. That's right, typically sure. anybody I've ever known who has taught themselves to play guitar or learn from somebody else. They get that first chord and it's, it's over. It's, it's all they want to do for the next little while. So yeah, yeah. yeah. hopefully guitars do have a resurgence because I, I miss guitars. Do. Yeah. I, I, I play guitar um, and I can vouch for it being really difficult. It's, I, I understand why it's not like the most, you know, everybody says that they want to learn how to play guitar, but it, it takes a lot of, there's a lot of dedication and a lot of sacrifice that you don't need to do with other instruments. And I, and I say that specifically because like when you're playing guitar, Polly, you don't play guitar by any chance, do you? No. Okay. I, so I, I have picked yeah. up and tried and, and mm. everything that you're talking about is absolutely true. It's one of those things I will do it one day, but I know I need to dedicate myself yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. And more and more so with guitar because there's like this physical element of it where it hurts when you start playing guitar, right? Like your fingertips are you get shredded and you can only play yep. a certain amount of time and 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 I think the 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 physical pain of the learning experience especially initially is one of those things that people hit a wall and they stop playing. But right. I remember at that point, like I remember I I learned when I was in high school and you just kind of fight through it because I'm like if I don't learn how to play brown eyed girl, I'm never going to get laid. So I, I really, <laughs> you really thought that? <laughs> I'm like, I gotta, I gotta add to my bag of tricks here. Cause it's what I'm trying right now. This whole playing Pokemon every day is not working for me. So I gotta try something different, but yeah, no, I can, that's why I can understand like other instruments, like, you know, piano is a little bit more forgiving physically on your fingers. It's, it's complex and stuff, but like, you know, you can work through mm-hmm. it or, mm-hmm. or, you know, garage band, but yeah, I, I can see guitar being a little bit harder to play, but it's nice to see that fucking Gibson's not rolling over guitars anymore. Like Jesus. No, no. Huh. Right on. All right. What else? Next- yeah. What else we got? Chris, you got anything? Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is cool. I, I stumbled upon this mo- this morning, thankfully, because it happens tonight. But Prince's estate is actually going to be streaming uh, pr- the musician's full December 31st, 1987 concert at Paisley Park tonight at 8 p.m. on the Prince YouTube page. Uh, and this is the one that features a cameo from Miles Davis, Ooh, okay. which is crazy. I'm so excited for that. I might wow. actually pop that on. It's at 8 p.m. tonight. Um, I don't know if they're going to leave it up. You know, Prince's estate is, is pretty, you know, buttoned down from the sounds of it. So I, I don't know how long that video is going to actually be up. But if you don't have anything going on tonight, I highly recommend checking that one out because it, it's it's an iconic performance from, from everything that I've heard. I've never seen it, but um, from what I was reading today, uh, it's it's one of, I mean the the guy's got a lot of really good shows that he's that he put on over the course of his career. But this is, 
you don't you don't get an opportunity to see to see Prince and Miles Davis share the stage very often. So I'm sure this one's worth checking out. I don't know what's going on with Prince right now. His the, the this, He's I, dead. Have, I have <laughs> thank you. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> no, he. I, I had Sirius on the other day, and the Prince Channel has a two-hour special dedicated to the release and the making of Sign of the Times. Mm. Which, wow. uh, and that's another one of those things. Like Chris said, well, geez, maybe I'll check that out. Like that sounds well, think, good, you know. I think we. Uh, I think what's happening is we're seeing what was promised a long time ago is that they are they have sifted through the archives and there are apparently hours and hours of both recordings and footage and outtakes and everything. Yeah. And I think you're starting to see the release of all of these things. And uh, I think this is the just the tip of the iceberg of what you're going to find, mm-hmm. and, and and that's great. I mean, Prince is um, you know he, he was uh, prolific to say the least, and uh, and I have to admit some of his records are real hit and miss for me. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there's no there's no doubting his genius, um, but what they're going to do because in this age because you can have access to everything they're putting out everything and at some point in time somebody will curate this and sift through it and give us the best and the worst of the whole the whole deal where's my tragically hip that's well, what I'm, i want to know yeah i i'm wondering what they're sitting on you're, you're absolutely right there's been a few you know as you know if you go on to spotify there's a there's a number of uh, from the vaults things that have come out officially they were released as cds and albums but they're what are they sitting on i'm going to get to actually gordani and you know they're starting to release some of the gordani stuff uh can i move on to that one now chris yeah yeah, yeah so of course um so Gord downey has two new tracks that are out right now these are recordings that were made just before he passed away and there are 10 songs that are recorded. They, his brother says these won't be the last recordings that you'll hear released from Gord, but these are the last recordings that he made. There are 10 songs. And it, uh, the, the, it'll be a double album called Away Is Mine, and it's coming out on October the 17th. Now, what's interesting is that there, there are 10, uh, 10 songs done twice. One, one is an acoustic version of the song, and one is a, an electric or a fully re- a com- more fully accompanied. Re- yeah, a more fully realized version of it. I don't know if the vocal is different for each one or whether they simply took his vocal track mm. uh, as a basis and all the rest. That is to be seen. Um, I listened to them, and um, yeah, you can tell Downey does not have control, full control of his voice. Um, mm. But that doesn't diminish it in any way whatsoever. But if you're looking for that full-bodied voice that Gord has delivered to us so many times, I'm not sure if you're going to find it there. Again, we're going to have to wait and see. As for tragically hip recordings, I don't know what's going on. I, I mean, there's got there's got to be two or three albums worth, I would think, of just stuff that didn't make other albums or stuff that would be on a future album or what. There's got to be a fair amount of stuff. Yeah, you you'd you would think, right? I mean, there have been certain albums. I mean, for instance, when Fully Completely was reissued, it had a grand package, and I've got it here. Mm. And I thought there would be this bevy of extras that came with it, and there wasn't, apart yeah. from uh, a live recording and a repackaging of their first concert video. But there wasn't a lot of 
bonus. There wasn't a lot of extra. And I, and I, I don't know. There's got, I mean, part of me says there's got to be that stuff. It's interesting. I, I did an interview with Getty Lee of Rush and I said, what's in the vault? And he says, there's nothing. And you're talking about a band with a, at that time, a, 30, a 35 year career. Apart from live recordings, there was nothing, there were no outtakes. There was no, oh, you know, there wasn't room for this song in an album type of collection of songs sitting in the vault. There was nothing. And so for the hip, I'm not going to speculate, but that might be the case. There may be nothing. Um, Who knows? So we'll have to wait and see. But anyways, New Gord Downey, October the 17th out on Arts and Crafts. It's called Away Is Mine. And I look forward to that. That's going to be great. So I'm curious, that, like, what are your what are your thought, you guys, thoughts on that whole um, posthumous release of stuff that never made that never made it to the to the A sides of their of their records? Because I don't really know entirely where I stand on it. Just to preface it, like, I coming from the um, like I'm I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a book nerd, and like you know, the the posthumous release of, of novels is really frowned upon, especially by writers, because it's stuff that's just not ready to be, it's, ne- you know, like digging through, digging through people's notes and releasing stuff that the the, the writer never intended on releasing. Uh, like they never intended on releasing it because it was never ready and it's not right. a fully representative. It's not, not fully representative of their art and who, what they want to, re- they, they want to present out, outside to the world. But it seems like with music, it's kind of the opposite. You, you're, you know, these. I don't know if it's if it's the the record companies leading the way or what. But if there is like a scrap of fucking audio that you can dig out of the crate uh, and release it on a new beat or, or throw it on a feature or do whatever you can with it, it seems like you know the tradition is to just release everything that you can't. Constantly have. I, I think it's for the fans. I, I and I think that good, like good fans. That's the wrong word. Re, re, real fans are going to look at it and and not expect, you know, some sort of opus. But they just mm. they need the, they need their fix, right? Like with the, with the hip, any the score Downey record, like uh, definitely, I, I'm all in on it. My expectations are reasonable. You know, to think that if the Beatles suddenly came out with it, oh, no, we've got unreleased material. And, and here's a day. And we, we were working on this song called A Day in the Life. You, you know what I mean? Like, you're not I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not expecting that. I'm not expecting New Orleans is singing. I'm not expecting the best tragically hit music of all time. But I would like to hear more. I, I just because I love the band so much. Um, yeah. To bring up the Beatles, there's been lots of extra recordings and we haven't heard all of them. Right. We got to a certain point that they had to close it off. So look at, you know, the, the reason that we only got so much, there were two reasons. One is because the artist felt they could say it in the context of 30 minutes or 40 minutes. And that was it. Mm. It's like writing a book. <clears throat> it's like mm-hmm. writing a book and it's a beginning, a middle and an end. It's like, you've said it. There's no need to add in an extra chapter because it only will distract. Like, why would we do that? Mm. But with music very often, you know, it was done uh, at the. It was because a, a vinyl album could only hold forty-two minutes worth of music, and they literally had to say, "We can't have everything." Don't forget when they go into the studio, they hit record and they record everything, and they use the best bits for an album. Mm. Some of it is there a line that runs through the whole record. Um, they, then there's an issue is like 
do we have enough good stuff? And then sometimes we have too much good stuff mm. and they use it for another record. In the case of the Beatles, it's fascinating because there is a lot of stuff and the, new, the stuff that didn't get used or the outtakes shine a new light on the recordings that we all have come to know. It was, interesting, cool, yeah. um, it was interesting is that the Beatles catalog has been remastered by um, Gilles Martin. Um, his father was the infamous fifth Beatle. Uh, George Martin was the mm. infamous producer of the whole thing, and he helped them write those songs and made their ideas, turn them into fruition and all the rest. Gilles had a chance to go back and listen to all of the recordings and he found a lot more that you don't hear in it. The story, for instance, about the White Album is that the White Album was was a period in time which the Beatles were, you know, uh, were not getting along. We're not. It was the first time where they did not sit in the studio and write the songs together. He said, uh, "No, when I hear the recordings, I hear a bunch of guys laughing and goading each other on, trying to make those recordings better." He says it was completely different. You know, it's like somebody's written this story is that they hated each other. Actually, in their lives at that time, they were they had other agendas. Their lives were expanding, and they didn't have time to sit in a studio for months on end to write these songs. They decided, let's I'll bring my songs in, you bring your songs in. But what Gilles found when he remixed the White Album, listened to the other recordings, is he heard them finishing each other's songs. Cool. Yeah, that doesn't yeah that doesn't take away the fact that Ringo quit partway through, and that sometimes George was pissed because not enough of his songs were getting on record. All those little issues that we have, but I th I think those issues have been blowing up uh, in this expectation that this band would always be perfect. They were the same band that they started in '64, be the same one that exited in '69. You know, so I love these reissues. They're not always great, but I look forward to them. I think right. they're. I think they're like Neil Young, and I'm going to get to him because he's got a new record coming out. Neil Young has got an archive session uh, thing, and his website is absolutely sick. And he's he's another <laughs> prolific artist that all these recordings. Albums he couldn't release because the recording schedule was simply wouldn't allow for. It. I, and, and sure, I, sure, go ahead. Oh, well, that's it. You know, and so he's now finally reissuing all these records, and a lot of them from his golden era, which was the early to mid nineteen seventies, and mm -hmm. some of them are fantastic. So, I so, wonder if 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 there's ever been maybe there has been. Uh, I and if there hasn't, I wonder why not. That some artist, musician, act, whatever. <clears throat> hasn't specifically written and recorded songs with that in mind. Once we're gone or oh. after I'm dead or after the band is broken up, like, do, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. Knowing, knowing the inevitable end is, is w whether it's biological or uh, because, you know, we're not getting along anymore or, or somebody dies. Like I, regardless of that, I wonder if, if anybody has ever said, okay, bank it. Just bank it for, for, so, most for a them, rainy day. Most of them don't. They walk out the studio and they're done. The record's done. And you've heard about these lost tapes that they find in people's mm. garages. And that's a reality. In the case like Neil Young, he had a he had a drawer where he kept all of these things and said, on a rainy day, they're going to come out. And I think he knew is that, you know, when I get to be an old man, I'm not going to be – I can put these out when I'm an old man. Right. Mm. And I can put them out of my own terms and put new context into them. So, um, yeah, uh, but Benny, I, I think, you know, I think a lot of guys don't never gave a damn about all these things. I don't think anybody really thought about a posthumous release. 
Right. Yeah. So, it's very like like I said. I it's 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 interesting to see the 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 complete uh, the the difference between the the mu- the musical acceptance of digging back into the crate versus you know literary where it's like really frowned upon you know like there's a mm. lot of writers that'll go out there and say like when I die I want you to burn all of my my first drafts because I don't want any of that shit out there because it's not reflective it's such a process that like the first skim on stuff is is dog shit and they don't want anybody to see how bad they actually are or how bad they think they are or whatever it's interesting but side note I that just well, it, well, yeah that is interesting it, no 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 I was just going to add to that like when an actor dies for example like uh uh brandon lee or heath ledger Mm. uh everybody's clamoring to see the movie that they made before they died right like that that that's oh my god Uh, like eyes wide shut it's the last movie that kubrick directed before he died so people just based on that alone wanted to go see the film Mm -hmm. people wanted to see the crow brandon lee died during the filming and that was a major allure to people going to see the movie, mm. right? So it, it's weird how with with writers that's taboo with yeah. with with music, eh, it's sort of set on the fence. With movies and acting, people jump all over that shit. Sometimes uh, it's what I find is really frowned upon is then when you're left with incomplete recordings and they are and they hire musicians to come in and complete the record for them. And it goes back mm. to some stuff that Jimi Hendrix did. As good as it was, it wasn't Jimmy in the it wasn't Jimmy in the studio with most of those musicians directing them. So Benny, for instance, let's use a tragically hip case. Let's say there are some vocal parts and maybe a, a, a maybe a uh, just a you know, just a, a simple guitar track that Gordy had used to guide himself through a complete take of a song. How would you feel if the Tragic Leap went into the studio and said, okay, let's finish it? We started that idea. Ah, uh, yeah. Kind of like Free as a Bird by the Beatles, sort of exactly. thing. Exactly. And it, mm. yeah, you kind of go, I don't know. It's not the real deal. Even though the guys that are finishing it, are the guys, you know, Uh, know, how did you feel about Carrie Fisher's image being used in the last Star Trek movies? Right. The, the Carrie Fisher example, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. the, The Carrie Fisher example is, is, is a good one, but it's. It, I, I was more impressed by like the technological achievement than anything. Oh, it was great. You know, that was cool. There was another one too. Like, didn't they? Didn't they? They CGI like one character like for the entire movie or whatever. I, I can't remember which character it was, but it was. I, uh, I yeah, I think I know what you're. Yeah, talking like one about. of the guys yeah. like died a long time ago. It was like right. one of the generals, one of the from the. Anyways. You know, here's here's the deal is that years from now, somebody's going to watch those Star Wars movies and they're not going to tell the difference. They're not going to know that Carrie Fisher died uh, two years prior to the movie being put together. Mm -hmm. And is that good or is that bad? You know, one of my favorite Hendrix recordings is something called Freedom or is Easy Rider, and it freaking rocks. It is so good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I read about it when I was a kid, I went, oh, he was dead when that record <laughs> came out? Oh, it doesn't matter. It's still awesome, you know? So mm-hmm. it, it, depend, it depends upon how much of a purist you are. I think a footnote and an asterisk should be included with every one of these records, posthumous recordings, and then take it for what it is, you know? 
How, how long before uh, technology takes us to where we will get new recordings uh, from Elvis or oh God, a brand new crazy. picture with starring Marlon Brando? You know, if you can, <laughs> if no, seriously, if you can CGI Carrie Fisher in now, fifty years from now, mm. uh, technology will probably be to the point where yeah, you you get a new movie with Clark Gable in it if you want it, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You'll get, you, you, you will be able to synthesize uh, Gord Downey's voice to the point where, yeah, making a new hip album's no problem. We, you yeah. know, we can just rearrange and like they do with auto tune with voices they, that, that an arrangement could just make a new hip album. It, yeah. it, I know I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it and it's kind of creepy, but it, that could happen. That, that's For definitely, sure. that's definitely within the realm of possibility. Yeah. So, um, Pauly, was there anything else you wanted to get into? So, Chris, uh, relax. There will be a brand new AHA record. One day, <laughs> I promise. The follow-up to Take On Me is is The Dream Is Still Alive. Sorry. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I need something. To, I, I, I need uh, a new a new aha what is it what is the, what's the band called aha 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 i need a new aha yeah i don't know i don't even fuck it. i know that song from some you ever remember that corky romano movie from with uh what's his name um chris Kattan. he like starts he starts that movie out singing that song that that was my exposure to that song so wow yeah Every, everybody air synthesizer yeah yeah um the only the one thing that i wanted to sneak in here before we move on to something else because i know i know paulie you've got a couple other things that you wanted to chat about too but i just wanted to say uh uh, shout out to toots hibbert he passed away on september 11th he's the the lead singer of toots and the maytals from uh yes the jamaican reggae iconic legendary band i am pretty sad because he I had an opportunity to go see him a, about a year and a half ago. <gasps> Did he, you he really? Was, he was playing. He was playing at fucking Massey Hall, and the yeah. tickets weren't sold out. And I never, I never went like an idiot. And 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 it was like at a point where, where I was really into Toots and the Maytals. Like I still am. They're one of the one of my favorite bands. They've mm. become one of my favorite bands over the years. Um, just stemming from a trip to Jamaica, I, I I was there and they were playing. And I'm like, who the hell are these guys? Yeah, and it just blew me away. Um, yeah. anyways, yeah. So it's, it's really funny. sad that he passed away. They're they're they they they're, they need to cross over more in North America. Well, Mary, um, yeah. Go ahead. Finish. No, just considering how big Bob Marley is, like like guys, there's more to reggae than Bob Marley, and right. and Toots and the Maytals are a perfect extension of that. I think like if you, if you're into Bob Marley, you will be doubly into Toots and the Maytals because they're so goddamn good. And there's so much fun. You know, it's, what's really great. And it was almost a sad coincidence in a way is that the song pressure drop Mm. is in, is in a TV commercial right now. And every time it makes me, it makes me smile because Mm -hmm. here is this song that I I said, what early seventies, that song came out Mm. and here it is finding a new life. 50 years later mm-hmm. even if it's in the backdrop of a tv commercial every time it comes up it makes you feel great you know uh my first experience of that song is when the clash covered it and then when i discovered their version i went oh what's the name of that song when the night meets this you know uh, oh you're, you're thinking about better when sound clash yeah i mean they borrowed the melody off of that song you know but yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, Chris. Uh, I suggest that everybody go out and stream Toots and the Maytals. 
tremendous and a great loss to the reggae world. And oh. listen, you need to find other reggae. We talked about this mm-hmm. on an earlier show, and that's a great one to do. Him and Jimmy Cliff and so many others. Jimmy Cliff, yeah. It's yeah. funny. Yeah, every, once in a while, every once in a while, somebody will pass away, like a musician. And I'll, I, the first thing that pops into my head is there's another member for Carrie Gray's house band. Mm. Right, like because Carrie Carrie was all about toots and mates. Cool. Know, have you guys ever like? If you guys had a friend or whatever that just is is this wealth, this library of music or acts that you've never heard of, where you mm. just and you take their word for it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Carrie was that for me. It was all oh, toots and mates, buddy. You got to check this out. And he he never steered me wrong, sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like it, the guys. He was like Paulie, like his music knowledge was just off the charts. But yeah, yeah. Carrie had Carrie would inter- just just throw out something every once in a while. I, it was a jaw dropping sort of thing. And when I found out that this had happened, I'm like, Toots, there's another Carrie Gray band. There's another, you know, one of those acts that he introduced me to. I know that's an aside, but I just had to say it out loud. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I yeah. mean, it gets the Cary Grace seal of approval. It's nice because I, I, I heard, it's I remember hearing band, this and I'll it just, you, you, you know, so it's just, a band. sometimes you hear something that you've never heard of before and it just punches you in the face. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and then these guys, this is one of those things where I was just like having a drink with my buddies in Jamaica, just not a care in the world. And I heard this come over on the radio. I'm like, what the fuck is this? This yeah. is insane. And yeah. it's just, yeah. Then, so I, feel like that'll it'll be like that for a lot of people if they really dive into it It, this is they're unbelievable yeah so we got a little bit of time left paulie what did you want to what do you want to touch on now i think we got a couple stuff neil young Um, or something or did we get that well i already got the neil young one other thing i will bring up here and uh, i kind of messaged you guys this a while ago uh public enemy have a new version of fight the power Mm. that came out as part of the bet awards they have a new album that's on the way uh they're back with their original label def jam records uh and this one reads unbelievable uh the album is going to be called uh what you going to do when the grid goes down it's uh it's uh wow <laughs> and it, wh- who's on it this is what really will blow you away I mean, you can by the way you can find that out there uh i'm just scrolling down here to get you a list of who's on this record uh okay Joining the guys in Public Enemy on this new album, it will be Cypress Hill, George Clinton, Ice-T, Naz, and Black Thoughts of the Roots. Also, let's get some help from Run DMC and Mike D and Ad-Rock from the Beastie Boys. That's wow. The, that's the new Public Enemy record when that's it a, comes that's to- That's a Hall of Fame is what that is. Uh, well, it is. I mean, it is, it is like everybody from that first and second school of rap- yeah. And new artists as well, too, joining them on this new record. It's called What You're Going to Do When the Grid Goes Down. And there's a couple of tracks that are wow. out there. Uh, the, re- the, re- the new version of Fight the Power is awesome. New verses, some old ones. Yes, Elvis is still a racist, is still included in this new version. <laughs> and I invite you to do some research on that whole thing. It is, it is a long story about how we came to say that phrase, you know, and mentions John Wayne as well, too. So can you, imagine being, can you imagine being like a Kendrick Lamar and getting a phone call from Public Enemy? You know, when we've got this new record coming out. We're wondering if you'd like to contribute. Oh, yeah. That, he, what I, a what a moment that would be. It, it would be. I mean, exactly. I mean, but those are I, and the fact that you mentioned that and all the newer voices of of conscious um, 
it would be great to have them all piled onto one record, mm-hmm. but uh, let's not go over the top on the whole thing. This this alone will be really great. Chuck mm-hmm. D, Chuck D is still, you know, he's still got a lot of good things to say, important things to say, and he says it. His messages are well thought out, as are most of these guys, for that matter. So, new Public Enemy on the way. Right. It's out. It's out. It's out tomorrow. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I just shit. pulled it up because I, 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 when I was like, "Whoa!" I'm surprised I didn't, I didn't know about that one. Neither and did then, I. Yeah. And then I googled it, and there's a review out. Uh, um, NME has a review for it. I'm like, "Oh, that must mean it, it's got to be out soon." And yeah, yeah. it's it's out I, tomorrow. Actually, I was reading through a review, and there's a couple of videos to go along with it, so Ooh. I'm going to pile on to that one. So there's your fucking <laughs> I, nice. I when we started this yesterday, when we were talking about this, we were talking about doing a new music show, and I said, "I need some time to sink mm. my teeth into all these new releases." And this is one of them that, but, but I thought it was worth a mention here anyways. No yeah. Doubt. Yo, let, let me know what you're listening to. If there's any new music, if there's any new albums you want to listen to, you're, you're going to be diving into, or you want to chat about, let me know. And I'll, I'll dig into them as well. And we'll, we'll get like our takes on it. Cause I'm very curious. Okay. Um, I'm going to be listening to this one for sure. Uh, that's super cool. Did you, you said something you mentioned quickly, you mentioned, um, this is a 500 new top 500 Rolling okay. Stone. So this is a big one. Uh, this is the Rolling Stone magazine have these lists, top 100 guitarists, bass players, singers, all these type of things. But the granddaddy of them all, I think they were the one, first ones to actually create a list. And they did this way back, like 20 years ago, was the top 500 albums of all time. Mm-hmm. And it always becomes it's, it always becomes uh, uh, an, uh, an opportunity to argue uh, as much as to celebrate music. You know, why is this record not included? Why is this one so high? This, this mm-hmm. record for this artist is better than that one for that artist? And that's the number one record. It's always kind of been like that. You will never find sure. you'll never find consensus on the whole thing. That's what makes it so great. That's yeah. what makes it so great. So I did not know that they had done this. I sort of tripped upon this whole thing, and I was really, really interested to see what would happen. And on the most basic level, the inclusion of hip hop is huge on this thing. What they did is they went to 300 people in the music industry, mostly recording artists, but all the people that go back and they asked them for their top 50 lists. And so they came up with this one large list. Um, And maybe what I'll simply do just to sort of cut right to the chase here is give you the top 10. Sure. Yeah. All right. And I think this indicates where the list is going. Okay. Mm. Can you work 10 to one instead of one to 10? Okay. Yeah. Right on. Number Sweet. ten. Lo, number ten is Lauren Hill's "The Miseducation of Lauren Hill." Ooh, right. Number ten of all time, according to Rolling Stone. Ooh. But more importantly, not according to Rolling Stone, according to the artists that they polled. Right. It used to be this Ooh. real. Used to be this real small college of musicologists used to put all this mm. together, and I I could be one of those easily. But they reached. <laughs> but they reached out to people who are you know work with music and make it their living, where it's kind of seeped into their blood. Lauren Hill comes at number number 10 of Rolling Stone's list of the top 500 albums of all time. In at number nine is Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks. Mm. Now, some of these have been on the list before, and some of them are relatively new, and some have moved up. Number eight is Prince and Purple Rain. Number seven is Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. Number six is Nevermind from Nirvana. Really? Yeah, I know. I, I yeah. Really? I with that. You have to come on, Benny. You, 
you know, whether you, uh, okay, I mean, that's it, right? I mean, you I can know. argue yes or no sure. here. You, <laughs> sure. you know you know what the record represented. Yeah, sure. culturally, okay. impact of, the, its cultural we, impact is certainly warrants an inclusion yeah. on the top 10. But if we're talking about like musicality and, and how long it holds up, I feel like it shouldn't be there in the top 10. But that's yeah. We could argue. Yeah. Number five comes from the Beatles, who used to occupy the number one spot. The number one album of all time for the longest time was Sgt. Pepper's Sgt. Lonely Club Hearts Club Band. It does not make a does not make the top ten. And mm. at number five is Abbey Road from the Beatles. Mm. And and there's no okay, well, why not? Sure. I I'd have a hard time disagreeing with there. There's three yeah, or four same. Beatles albums that I, you could put in the top ten for me. The White yeah. Album, uh, Abbey well, Road, definitely. Right. They all have different. I think what happened is that the relationship people have had with these records has changed mm-hmm. culturally. Sgt. Pepper had a, a, an enormous impact. Historically, right. it did. It doesn't. I don't think it resonates with people in the same way that it used to 20, mm. 30, 40 years ago. It's so like the, Dark Side of the Moon, which, you know, was always in the conversation of the greatest album of all time. And it seems that it's lost some of its luster, too. It's. I can tell you right now, it's not in the top one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not in the top, pardon me, the top, top. 10 here. Yeah, wow. yeah. One thing too, uh, just to, to on a note on the Abbey Road thing, people listen to music differently now, and people yeah. listen to people don't listen to full records anymore. They listen to singles at, at a time, and and I think Abbey Road specifically is probably the Beatles record that's most conducive to that. Listening well, the second side is yeah, especially the second side of Abbey Road mm-hmm. is just one ongoing. It's one song ultimately. You know, yeah. it, it, there's a discussion somewhere about the album being dead. It has never been dead. Mm-hmm. And these records are taken as a whole, but I, I agree with your whole idea that you know our relationship with records is a little bit different. We consume them differently. I may, you know, I remember that. Hey, I, people used to like side one of Led Zeppelin four, but never heard the side two of it. <laughs> you know, right? because that Fair was enough. the side because the one side had Stairway to Heaven on it. And hmm. I'll tell you a story about that later. Sure. So we're talking about Rolling Stone's new newest edition of the top 500 albumist of all time. So the Beatles, Abbey Road was number five. five number yeah. four, number four is Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life. Key of Life, right on. I can see I that. Know. This one, and here's another one, uh, number three, Joni Mitchell's Blue album. Wow. Now, I know that people like, you know, I'm not going to assume this. I'm not going to take this record and impose it upon them. But when you have people like Billie Eilish and Taylor Swift voting Mm. for this lift, you know that this record had profound influence on them. And I shouldn't make it, you know, it's not just an album for women. It's an album for men. Prince. Joni Mitchell was his favorite artist. This was wow. his favorite. This was one of his very favorite albums. So Joni Mitchell's Blue is number three. Mm-hmm. Number two, and it's still at number two from what I understand, is the Beach Boys Pet Sounds record. Pet Sounds? Oh, that's such a great record. I don't get it. Really? Okay. I sat with it with my headphones on here, these ones here, and I listened to that record went into the other, and I can hear the genius. I can hear how McCartney said, oh, we have to one-up him on this. Yeah. But but not every song is a hit for me. When I say a hit, not a hit in the in their chart sense, but just like I, I hear the ideas rolling around. I spent a lot of time reading what Brian Wilson was doing and thinking about the time. And he was doing a lot of drugs and experimenting <laughs> and, and sonically experimenting and songwriting experimenting, trying to get away from songs about surfboards and girls. I, but 
Hey, who am I? I'm one guy. This is the number two album, according to all these artists and people that live and create music. Pick the Beach Boys at number one or number two. I love mm. that. I do. I adore that record, honestly, front to back. And I, you mentioned Paul McCartney. I remember when that Beatles anthology came out in the 90s that I, I forget which member of the Beach Boys was on, but was saying that they because both those albums were released in 67 and Pet Sounds came out first. And when the Beach Boys, I guess, collectively sat down and listened to Sgt. Pepper, they went, ah, shit. God <laughs> damn it. You know? <laughs> But Pet Sounds is, I think, front to back, without knowing anything about it or any of the background or anything. The first time I heard that record, I went, this is fucking genius. I love it. So, All right. So number yeah. one, yeah. any guess, any, anyone just to spitball what number one might be? Oh, God. Um, this is a really eclectic list, so it's going to be it's, it's going to be hard to nail this one. Born to um, Run. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah. Border, Border runs down in the twenties somewhere. Oh, okay. Right. Fuck. I have. I honestly have no idea. Like, like I, I maybe um, to pimp a butterfly, like Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar is on the list, and he's high on the list, but he's not there. Number yeah, one album. No. So I'll just get right to it. Number one is Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On." Wow. Wow. And I confess, I have never heard this album. Nor have I. Right. And, and, and I feel terrible admitting that you would think that there are, you know, in the list of, you know, you should listen to's mm-hmm. that album would be on that. You know, you should listen to these records to right. get a deeper understanding of music, to understand where black music has come from, that voice that has run through all these generations. And there it is. Marvin Gaye's What's Going I- On album. I gotta say, I love this, and I, I'm I'm gonna be jumping all over this because yeah. it, it just it finally like there's a, a, a more comprehensive, uh, all encompassing group of people who have made this list as opposed to like Polly was saying because these lists would come out and it'd be like okay what order is it going to be in is it going to be Zeppelin four is it going to be Dark Side of the Moon or is it going to be uh, Sergeant Pepper. It was so predictable that they got kind of tired. The the huge, right? And this sounds like anything but, which I like. You know, when I was riffing through it, I was I was happy. I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And right. It's 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 there's I mean it's 500 albums, so it's like a lot to get through. And you know, the the first one when I opened up the list, it starts at number 500, and the first record that was there was the Arcade Fire. And I went, mm. oh, this is going to be different. Yeah. Mm. Now, it's 500, but it's like, yeah, that's a great starting point. Yeah, that's wow. cool. Yeah, so, very so, cool. So, in time, so next week, I think we should all compile our own top 500. And we can, <laughs> <laughs> and we can go through. What time are you going to say five? Uh, <laughs> 500. So, uh, I, I, I do want to, going back to Marvin Gaye here, uh, there's a new Spike Lee movie that came out. I think it's streaming on Netflix called The Five Bloods. Mm, I've heard of and, it, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's about five was it five four vietnam vets who go back to vietnam and the soundtrack that runs through this whole thing is marvin gay from this album really and what is really great is that i you know you hear it you know sometimes context makes you hear music in a different way and the one thing that made me just stop what i was listening to was an acapella version of what's going on and i went and I went looking for it on YouTube and I found it. You know, when you get those stripped, those stripped out versions, the instrumentation falls away and you get to hear the voice alone. It, it just, it, I just lost it. I said, that's the most beautiful vocal in the world. And this, the lyrics stand out. They don't get lost in the, 
in, you know, in the music as sometimes a message does, you know. I'm downloading it right now. That That's that's my goal today is I, I got a bunch of stuff to do, but I'm going to have that yeah, on. And, I'm, Toots I'm, in the May, and Toots and the Maytels. Yeah, I'm on it. For sure. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm serious. I'm downloading all this right now. That, that'll be my uh, my weekend fun. That's Thank I'm you. down for that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And then I'm and then we got Public Enemy tomorrow too. Yep. That's cool. That's that's exciting. I got a lot of ho- a lot of fun homework to do. I I actually have never listened to Joni Mitchell's Blue album either. It, so I'm it, down for that. It's yeah. It's a, it's a solitary type of experience. A lyric yeah. sheet, a lyric sheet helps. I think. Mm. Um, her poetry is beautiful on this record. A case of you is on that record, and you know it's funny when when. Um, when Alanis Morissette's um, Jagged Jagged came out, uh, my daughter was uh, an impressionable young woman at the time. And I said, this is great. Now I want you to listen to this record. Yeah. Yeah. Which is Joni Mitchell's blue. And you can see where it all came from. Now, don't forget when when I say they're similar, no, this is just a voice of a woman expressing (laughs) Mm. something deep in her heart and her mind. It's not the same emotion as, you know, <laughs> Jagged Little Pill is a pretty bitter record, and mm. Joni's not in that place, you know. But uh, yeah, that's another one. So, Rolling Stone top 500 list. I definitely think every music fan should jump into that. And, definitely, you know, yeah. You'll, yeah. You'll, you'll yell at your cell phone when you're reading it, and you may, <laughs> and you may punch the air as well too, saying, "Wow, they included that," you know. So. Cool. There's a lot. Of, by the way, there's a lot of Kanye West that's on there for you to pop yeah. in. Yeah, there's there's a lot. So like, there's no. I don't oh know. man, this is great. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna spend yeah. some time with that this weekend. It's for fun. Sure. All right, oh, yeah. nice. All right, yeah, good show, guys. Thanks, um, Paulie. We'll catch up. I'm not sure when we'll catch up. Maybe next week. We'll see. Um, but yeah, good good chat. That was that was fun. All right, boys. See ya. Thanks for listening to Black Sheep Radio with Ben McVie, Mark LaFave, and Chris Brown. Join the conversation at BSR Podcast on Facebook and at Radio underscore Sheep on Instagram and Twitter.